For me to live is Christ For me to die is gain Every moment in between There'll be joy and there'll be pain I can't worry about the future Or change a thing about my past I've got this moment to believe And I'm gonna make it last I am filled To be emptied This is Pastor Michael Rogers from The Jar at 702 H Street Northeast in Ardmore, Oklahoma. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. Warren Carey today. This is, I'm excited because not only have I never preached from this passage, uh, but I've never heard a sermon from this passage. And so I'm, I'm really excited because I feel like God has shown me things that he, he, he's hinted at in other places, uh, but to really fully understand it, I had to see this for what it really was. And so I'm excited about that. We are walking through the questions that we ask ourselves to find out what our status is as disciple makers, how uh, we know that we're on the right track. And the first one was, am I fervently pursuing my faith? So am I, uh, am I praying, am I studying, am I fasting, am I doing the things that need to be done in order for me uh, to hear the word of God, to understand the character of God, and to obey the, the uh, direction of God so that, not just so I can live the best life for me, but so that I can be filled with his love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control, the gentleness that he has, uh, and then empty it for others and help others to see that this Jesus has a kingdom that is, has greater influence than any America or any Europe or any country or any state or any government. Uh, the kingdom of God, God's economy, God's government is greater and they can be a part of it too if they would just believe. So that's fervently pursuing our faith. And once we've done that, now we can ask ourselves, while I'm fervently pursuing my faith, am I invested completely in the mission? Is, 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 my, is the way that I conduct my life be a part of uh, accomplishing the mission of the church? And Jesus was very plain when he came out. He very first started preaching. Uh, you can see this in Mark chapter 1, verse 14. When he very first started preaching, it says that he was preaching, repent and believe that the kingdom of God is near. And so if we recognize the mission of the church is to continue the influence and kingdom of God, then we need to invest in that mission. And we've been looking at different ways to do that, and we've split it up into four different areas. Engage, give, grow, and share. So we talk to you about what it means to be engaged, to be a part of gatherings and small groups. We talk to you about what it means to give that we can start with encouragement, that we learn our gifts and, and know how our time and our talents can be used to empty to for others. And then we finish with our resources and how important it is for us to give of our resources. And, and so we, we've explored all of that. We're ready for the next part in GROW. Uh, and most of the time when we think of GROW, we think of all those individual things that we can do. But I want us to start by taking a step back and seeing how growing comes out of the things we've already learned. So to get us our hearts in the right places after we've done a prayer of expectation and we put our, 
kind of our minds right. Let's get our hearts right. Let's talk about this consider question. Actually, we're not going to talk about it. I'm sorry. You're going to just consider for yourself what might be the answer to this question. Our consider question today is how do others influence my growth in my faith? I'll give you about 20 seconds to do that. Okay, we are going to be in Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16 today. And yes, we're going to go through the whole chapter, but I promise we won't be here till 8. Yeah. <laughs> 6.30 latest. <laughs> uh, Romans chapter 16. It's in the New Testament. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's Bibles underneath the tables. So you can grab one of those. Yes. If you don't have your own Bible, please feel free to take that with you as a gift from us. Um, or you can go to your YouVersion app and look it up on your YouVersion app and go to Romans chapter 16. So like, like Michael said, we've talked about spiritual gifts as one body and giving our resources to glorify God. But today we're going to talk about the qualities that bring us all together in unity as a team. And so we're going to look at this passage. This passage was written to, by Paul, and he is actually greeting his friends those people who have come into his path or he's come into theirs, and um, I believe it was a divine appointment for each one of these people yes. we're going to talk about briefly. Um, but it was his letter to them and thanking them for who they were and the qualities that made them who they were and why they were important to the church um, at that time. So we're going to start with verse 1. And um, I'm just going to warn you right now, um, here at the JAR, we have a rule of fir or first mention. So if I say yes. the name wrong, uh, that's what we're going to call we it. We all have to say it the way she said it first. That's the rule of first mention. Okay, rule of first mention. That's no. right. So he'll correct me if, if I... Yeah, if she needs my help, I'll, I'll help her. Okay. So verse, verse one, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a deacon in the church and in Centuria. Welcome her in the Lord as one who is worthy of honor among God's people. Help her in whatever she needs, for she has been helpful to many, and especially to me. So the two things that we you can underline in that passage, or in that verse, what was two, Phoebe's first two gifts? One was she was worthy of God's people, and she was helpful to many. Yes, now the word worthy means valuable. Right. So what it means is that there was such she was such a servant that she was valuable to the people um, and she was a helper. She was someone who provided help. We believe that what Paul is doing is he is commending Phoebe because she's making the trip. So there's a really good chance that she was the one who delivered the message of Romans, the letter of Romans to the Roman church. And the Roman church was unique in that there were no apostles that started the Roman church. Lay people started the Roman church. And so Paul's never been there, but he has this long list of people that he is, he is uh, talking to. So he either has had great correspondence with them where he feels like he knows them, or he knew them from somewhere else. And these are kind of missionaries who went to Rome, which is the seat of government. It's the place where everything happens. And said, we're going to start a church right underneath Caesar's nose. And we're going to be a part of that. Um, and so in some ways, it's very similar to what we're doing, coming to Ardmore and planting a church. We're, we're coming. We, we came, and we were a parachute drop. We didn't know anybody, and we walked in and said, okay, 
we're going to sit right under whatever this old spirit knows that has the, the power over Ardmore, and we're going to just make a beachhead right on his front lines, and we're going to do what we can to reach the people that are there. Now, Phoebe was a helper, but recognize what uh, Paul says. He says, she already is worthy to the church, and she already has been a helper of the church, but I want you to help her. So the first thing, and what, what we're doing is we're learning a little bit about each person's characteristics, and then we're learning how that person helped the team to grow. So one of the ways that Phoebe is helping them to grow is by allowing them to help the helpers. And sometimes we get confused. We think that uh, when we walk into the church, we're coming into the church to get uh, instead of coming into the church to give. And I promise you this, if you come to the church to get, there's a chance that you'll get what you need. But if you come to give, you'll always get what you need. That's right. Uh, so when you come to the church, if you come looking at the helpers and saying, okay, I want to help them in whatever they're doing so it will lighten their burden, it will also cause you to grow. It will also cause them to grow. Because let's face it, sometimes helpers have a hard time accepting help. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? And so it's good for them to know they don't have to do it all by themselves. It also teaches them to give up some control and to allow other people to be a part of it. So we give you permission when you walk into the jar to approach anyone who's doing something and ask to help them. That's right. Help the helpers. I have an example of this one that popped in my head. God just gave me. I remember when we were at our previous church, um, I was coming down the hallway. Don't, we, had a, we had a children's wing, basically. And I was coming down that wing and I heard a baby crying in the nursery. And the baby was just, just not happy. <laughs> you know, he, he'd been dropped off and you know, when they're one, it's tough, it's tough. Dads, you know this too, it's tough at one. They start getting that uh, uh, stranger danger, right? And they don't want to be dropped off. And so he was, he was having a hard time. And as I was walking past, um, the helper, one of our helpers in the nursery, was sitting in the rocker holding him, and she was just crying, just a mess. And I stopped, and, and I, I went in, and I said, oh, honey, I said, what's wrong? Well, you have to understand, her grandson had just passed away oh, wow. about three to four months before that. And hearing this little one cry reminded her of her grandson. Oh. And she was just having a really hard time. And I said, give me the baby. And you, you walk away for a minute, give me the baby. And so I took him and I, and I held him for a little bit and he immediately calmed. Um, and that helped her to calm, right? And then I stayed in there with, with her for a little bit until she felt she could take him back over again. And so that's a good example of helping a helper. And I'm not saying that to brag, I'm just saying be mindful when you come in, if you see that somebody's needing help, offer it. Yes. Because you never know what that person's going through in That's that right. moment. That's right. Right? So help the helpers. Good stuff. All Good right, stuff. let's go to verse 3. Now we're going to talk about somebody different. Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in the ministry of Christ Jesus. In fact, they once risked their lives for me, and I am thankful for them. And so are all the Gentile churches. Um, and also give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. So Priscilla and Aquila, to, you can underline, risked their lives with Paul. He, they were willing to give, give their life for the ministry that was being done by Paul. And then they hosted a church in their home, right? 
whether that had been a small group of people or whatever, but we know about um, Priscilla and Aquila that they were, they had the gift of hospitality. They opened up their home to whoever needed it, um, and they did a lot of person-to-person teaching with the people that were coming uh, to the church at the time. Um, and they were willing to serve not only the people that were coming to their home, but also to Paul. Um, as a matter of fact, um, in Acts chapter 18, um, they had met with, with Paul and invited him to live with them for a while so that he could do what he needed to do in the area that he was in. Um, and they became very, very close friends. And so he mentions uh, them in here. And I love how he says co-workers yes. in the ministry. Right? That's right. They were working together. Yeah, that typically we think of, when we think of fellowship in the church, we think of koinonia, which is the female uh, uh, version of the noun, which means the relationships, that we are building relationships in fellowship. But there is also a koinonos, which is the masculine form of that noun, which has to do with partnership, with co-working, with being a part of a thing bigger than yourself. And we need both. We need koinonia and we need koinonos. Um, and I love this this whole story of Priscilla and Aquila. And recently um, was in a commentary by Alexander McLaren and, and that taught me this. If you remember, Paul was going up through what we think of as modern Turkey. And he was wanting to go up into Achaia. But in a dream, a Macedonian uh, man came to him and said, come down this way. At the same time that he's doing that, he's being persecuted all the way down through that to get to Corinth. At the same time that that's happening, Caesar has decided to get rid of all the Christians out of Rome. And he has exiled everyone from Rome. And Priscilla and Aquila were in Rome. And they came down into Corinth. And we don't know when Priscilla and Aquila became Christians, but we know they were tent makers. So when Paul gets down there, they happen to get there at the same time. (laughs) It just happens that way. Mm. And they happen to share a profession. And so Priscilla and Aquila happen to say, hey, this is a good idea. Why don't you stay with us and work with us? Now, what we don't know is how they risk their necks for Paul. But in the middle of that, he was being persecuted and they were being persecuted. Was there a point where they said, take us instead of him? Or you disappear, we'll take the heat. There was something like that that must have happened. Now, later we find Priscilla and Aquila in Ephesus. And there's this guy named Apollos who's an Alexandrian Jew. And he comes preaching Jesus, but he's never heard of the Holy Spirit. And and they teach him more uh, succinctly what the gospel is. And Apollos becomes so important, he keeps getting mentioned throughout Scripture as being one of the great teachers. And so Priscilla and Aquila were a part of Paul's ministry. They were a part of Apollos' ministry. They now have a church in Rome, and it seems like everywhere they go, they are risk-takers. Okay? Here's the thing. Not all of us are risk-takers. Not all of us can put our necks out there like that. Not all of us are going to go out and sell everything we have and and run off to Africa to be a missionary. Right? (laughs) Not all of us are going to do the things that sometimes we see in in the book of Acts. But there are risk takers among us. And so one of the ways that we can help them is by honoring the risk takers. And that helps both of us grow. It helps the risk taker know that someone's noticing because there are a lot of times when risk takers uh, receive backlash for how strongly they are standing for the things that they're standing for. And they may not realize they have the support of the people. All they hear are the complainers. And so when you honor them as they are taking those risks, faith-filled risks, I'm not talking about people who put the church in jeopardy by how far they go. And they, stay, they go outside of 
their authority and, and cause the church issues. I'm talking about the risk takers who actually further the kingdom of God. They need to know that there's somebody behind them cheering them on. But it also, it, we don't just live vicariously through that, but as we get to know risk takers, we have an opportunity to find out who the risk taker is inside of us. And what risks can I take for the faith that I couldn't have taken if I hadn't met this person? And so both sides grow from that. So if we help the helpers and we honor the risk takers, both groups grow. The way that you can do that here at the JAR is by honoring Miss Carrie back and back. Yes. She's a risk taker. Yes. She's with those not, kids all the time. <laughs> she left a paid ministry to come and help serve here at the JAR. That's right. And we are not able to pay her right now. Eventually, we will. Mm -hmm. And we know God's gonna is going to supply that. And we have faith in that. Yes. But here's the thing. So does she. Yeah. And so she's risking moving from one ministry to come here and help us with this ministry because she believes that there are children in this neighborhood that need saved, yes. that need to know who Jesus Christ is. And so the way that you can love her is to honor her. Honor what she does back there. Honor her ministry and just spur her on. And you guys did amazing during BBS doing that. Yes. That was a prime example yes. of how you honored her. You showed up. You helped her. You took care of the kids. You helped her with that. And even just a little bit, that's the way that you honor her. She's a risk taker. She'd probably kill me if she knew I just said that. But because she's back yes, in the back right that's now. Right, that's but right. But it's true. That's right. Okay. Let's go on. Let, let me just oh, say this last okay. thing. Um, it, it is important for us to recognize that when we honor those risk takers, we also become part of their ministry. So if you remember, if you've been with us for a while, when we were teaching give, the first thing we taught is give encouragement. And this is one of those things. But to encourage her is to make her brave to make the next right decision uh, while she's taking those risks. The next right decision, not just the next decision. And so if we are encouraging her when we see her doing well, she will be more likely to do the next thing well. Very good. So let's go back to verse number five, that other half of verse five says, greet my dear friend. I have to see it. I have to see it. Eponidas. Ha ha, Eponidas. That's the one I could not get right. Eponidas. Eponidas. All right. Um, greet him. Um, Epon oh, I lost my spot. Oh, there. He was the first person from the province of Asia to become a follower of Christ. So we don't know how old he was, but we know he'd been following Christ for a long time, right? And that he was the, the first believer um, in this great, this great mission and this great ministry. Um, and so he is mentioned here. He is an elder, right? Yes. I have, um, uh, uh, it's tough for me because eventually I, I did this man's funeral. But his name was Carol Luke. And it was in the very first ministry that I was in. Carol's back was so bad that they, he literally went to the hospital about every four months and they would take a rubber mallet and crack the calcium in his back so that he could sit. And the reason that he wanted to sit was because every week he was in the same pew in the same place at our church. And I came in, uh, we had about 50 people when I, when I came into the ministry, and we were starting to grow. And the reason we were starting to grow is because I was teaching people how to empty themselves, not just be filled by what God does, but to empty themselves. And we were starting to grow. And one day, I did a serv uh, sermon on serving, 
And when it was over, I just, I went by him and I just saw he had tears in his eyes. <laughs> and I asked him what was wrong. And he said, Michael, he said, I'm sorry. He said, I just can't serve anymore. I don't have any way to do it. It's all I can do just to be here. And I said, Carol, don't you know, you serve me every time you show up. Because when someone calls me and says, I'm a little feverish, I'm not sure I'm going to come in. I can say, Carol's going to be here. I'm not sure if it's a, you know, maybe I just take the day off. Well, Carol's going to be here. And I found out that by respecting my elder, I could prompt the younger people to take more seriously what it means to gather as a group of believers. So don't just help the helpers, don't just honor the risk takers, but respect the elders. And respecting the elders doesn't mean that you, they have their right all the time. What it does mean is that they've been doing this for a long time and it may be that they don't have the energy to do what they used to do. But I have found that if they have had spent a life of service to their Lord, they've become prayer warriors. And they have become encouragers. And they have become wise people. And if that's the case, then we should spend some time getting to know those people. And, and hearing from them. And respecting them. Even if they aren't able to enjoy or, or join into the things that we're doing. They have to find a way. They have to feel like they are a part of what's going on. They are just, they are they're just important. just as valuable. As a matter of fact, I would say... Their prayer coverage mm -hmm. will, will determine, to a large degree, mm -hmm. how far your ministry Amen. reaches. It's very true. Very true. We've had several of those elders in our ministries in the past. Yes. And thank God for each one of them. Yes. Okay, so now let's look at verse 6. Give my greetings to Mary, who has worked so hard for your benefit. And in other words, Mary was a servant. She came. She showed up. And when she did, she gave everything she had and she worked hard. Makes me think of our um, closed closet director, Miss Patsy. Yes, yes. She is a servant. She has a servant heart. And if you come to the closed closet from 8 to 11, you will see her give everything she has to that ministry. She, she always makes me feel bad because I, I, I'm standing around holding a cup of coffee and she always knows what next thing to do. <laughs> and I'm just waiting still. for somebody to give me something to do. But mm -hmm. she's working the whole time. Right. The other one I thought of too was was, uh, was Goldie back in the back back yeah, there. Yeah. Miss Goldie during VBS was phenomenal in helping um, get things prepped and ready to go. She probably put in yeah. about what 40 hours girl yeah, before during uh, and after yeah and uh we just appreciate her so much she came with a servant heart mm -hmm. and she gave of her time and her talent and her ability to be here and um, that was huge that was huge for carrie that was huge for um for tracy who was doing our decorations and everything yes. else and then also she worked all week back in the kitchen she was our primary kitchen person uh -huh. getting the snacks ready for the kids and she, was, she just did phenomenal, and I saw the gift of servanthood yes. in you. Yes. Um, and how much God is, he's, he's bringing that out of you. He's planted those seeds, and they're slowly, they're little bitty, little bitty, little bitty, little bitty plants, and yes. they're slowly growing into fruit. <laughs> so keep That's it up, right. keep it up. That, that in the Greek there, what is it about the Marys in the Bible, right? <laughs> like, they are all awesome. Um, but this, the Greek in this, basically that whole idea of toiling or working so hard, she literally labors to the point of exhaustion. That's what the Greek means. 
She labors until she doesn't have anything else to give. And you know what? I remember a, a, a woman from my first ministry, her name was Debbie Crafton, and she called me one time and she said, Michael, she said, I'm just struggling. She said, I do, look at what I do for the church. She listed all the things she was doing for the church, and it was a lot. She got done and she said, I'm, I'm just struggling because I'm trying to find that abundant life. Where's the abundant life I was promised for all of the work I'm doing for God? And I was too young in the, in the faith and in my leadership to really understand how to answer her. But if I could answer her today, I would recognize that I needed to answer her well before she ever asked the question. The reason that she felt that way is because her service largely went unnoticed. And she was always the one who was there, but no one ever recognized it. And so we want you to encourage the servants. Encourage the people who, are, who just show up and do the stuff. Um, and sometimes we, we don't do enough of that. That, that goes from cleaning the toilets <laughs> yes. to yes. Uh, prepping the food to all yes. those background things, right? Yes. That make our gatherings successful or any event that we do, okay? All right, let's go on to verse 7. Greet Androgynous and Junia. Andronicus and Junia, my, my fellow Jews who were in prison with me. They are highly respected among the apostles and become followers of Christ before I did. And I wonder, it says that he was, they were in prison with him. So what did they do to get in prison? And were they saved by Paul when they were in there? Or were they put in there because they were standing for Christ? And we really don't know which one it was. But this is what I see is that they had some leadership. Here's the thing, though. As they were recognized, at least recognized, the, the Greek says they were outstanding among the apostles, which means they have, may have had some kind of office. They were some kind of leadership. And I can tell you, here, this is, can, I, can I share a secret that most pastors won't talk about? Can I, can I do that? October is Pastor Appreciation Month, all right? And it is absolutely self-serving for a pastor to let you know that. And I have been a pastor now for almost 20 years, and I would say out of the 20 years, I might have had two or three Octobers where anyone remembered that it was Pastor Appreciation Month. And I can't tell them, right? <coughs> Now, I don't bring this up because I want you to shower me with affection on, in October. That's not the point. The point is, so often we know that our leaders are there for us, but we forget that we need to be there for them. Exactly. And some of my favorite posts on Facebook uh, are when somebody just brings up, hey, remember your pastor, because guess what? He or she is also going through depressing, depressing days. He or she also has tragic events. He or she also messes up when they're parenting. He or she also makes bad decisions and has to live with the consequences. And if we forget to pray for them, we're doing a disservice to the entire church. That's not just true for pastors. That's also true for elders, for lay leaders, for anyone in leadership who is trying to uh, help give some stability and, um, and structure to the church. So recognize the leaders. And what you're going to find is, at the more you recognize the leaders, the better leadership you'll get from them. Okay, that also gives you uh, clout, so that when they make a mistake, you can come to them because they're so used to you recognizing when they're doing well, 
if they make a mistake that they haven't realized they've made, they were more apt to listen to you and correct it if you come to them after, after you've been telling them what a great job they're doing and you say, hey, you've been doing a great job, but this one time I saw you talk to this person and you were a little short with them and I think that it hurt them. You might wanna go talk to them. And if, if, if I have heard you tell me how I have ministered to your family and then you come and tell me that, I am more likely to go, huh, I didn't even notice that. I, I better check in on that and see what's going on. So you recognize the leaders. Okay. Verse 8. Greet Amplidius, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet your... Urbanus. Okay. Our core worker Christ. And my dear friend... Stachus. Stachus. Why is are pronounced like yous in Greek? Stachus. Greet Apelles, a good man whom Christ approves. And give my greetings to the believers from the household of Asprobius. Here's what, this is just a list of people, and he says very little about any of them. So we don't know very much about any of them. And what I want you to, to keep in mind is uh, recognize the invisible. So one of the things, we've been talking about all these different people that we need to recognize and encourage and honor and all those kinds of things. Uh, but just as a, for instance, an invisible here at the church is Margaret. There, I can't place a finger on any one thing that Margaret is doing for the church right now. But I know if there is prayer that is needed or if there is advice that is needed. I know I've seen people who have been struggling during the service and she's the first one to go and Wisdom. talk with them. There, so there is this there's this sense that she is just invisible. She's just, she's just kind of going around and lending her wisdom wherever God shows her. Okay. But that can go so invisible that we get so excited to talk to the leaders and the servants and the risk takers and all of the extroverts that we leave out all the introverts and we don't give them any opportunity to hear the encouragement that they need. So listen, this is, this is what it means to come to give. When you walk in the church, any gathering of believers, I'm not talking about Sunday at a certain time. I'm talking about any time you're around a gathering of believers, come in with eyes that see and ears that hear what people are doing. And when you see someone represent Christ, encourage them. Even if they've been invisible and they don't have any positions at all, they are still living out their faith in Christ for the sake of someone else. So recognize them. Okay, verse 11. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet the Lord's people from the household of Narcissus. Yes. Um, give my greetings to... Trufina and Trufosa. Yeah, the Lord's workers. And dear Persis, who has worked so hard for the Lord. Uh, I, just real quick, Trufina and Trufosa, both of those mean luxurious living. They're different versions of that. So these two are women that probably came from a life of luxury. They, probably, they were probably named for what they were expected to experience in their lives. And they gave up everything to be in Christ working with the church. So we don't know what all that looks like. But just an interesting side note in the Greek there. Um, but here's the thing. All of these people, it's like he's emptying out everyone else he knows. So what we got out of this is leave, leave out no one. I hope that by the time we got to here, you recognize that this is really the, the whole message 
when we come together as believers, leave out no one. Everyone should be seen. Whether they believe in Christ yet or not, we should see them all. Everyone should be greeted. Everyone should be encouraged and everyone should be respected. Everyone should be honored and everyone should be in unity in love and grace and life so that we can prove to the world that there is something different here than there is out there so that we become a city on a hill, a light that cannot be covered so that people can see this is what it means to be in the kingdom of God. And they say, I want some of that. I thought I could get it at the bar, but I couldn't get it at the bar. I thought I could get it at the gym, but I couldn't get it at the gym. I thought I could get it. Well, I never really thought I could get it at Walmart, but I went to Walmart <laughs> looking for it. The only place I can find it is in the church. Amen. And that is what the church was meant to be. Can we create that kind of community here? Well, we have one last piece we have to think of. That's right. Well, let's skip ahead or skip forward into verse 17. And now I make one more appeal, my dear brothers and sisters. Watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you have been taught. Stay away from them. Such people are not serving Christ our Lord. They are serving their own personal interests. By smooth talk and glowing words, they deceive innocent people. But everyone knows that you are obedient to the Lord. This makes me very happy. I want you to be wise in doing right and to stay innocent of any wrong. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. So underline, watch out for people who cause division and upset people's faith, right? And then the other thing I want you to underline in verse 19 is obedient to the Lord and be wise in doing right and to stay innocent of any wrong, right? So he's basically saying, be obedient. Be obedient to God. Be obedient to his word. Remember what he's taught you. Remember what he has said. Okay? No matter if you hear something wrong, okay, you're going to, you've already are studying and you understand and you know. Be prepared for that. That's right. And be obedient in what I've taught you and, and what God says about certain things. I, I just try to, I try to put myself in the mind of Paul, and that's really difficult because he's way smarter than I am. But he's going through this whole list of people who have been a blessing to the church. And by the time he gets to the end of it, he's so full of love for all of these people that he thinks, what could ruin it? And the only thing that could ruin it is one person who tries to divide. And we have seen it over and over and over again. It only takes one person to destroy a community if you will not confront them. And he's saying, avoid the divider. That's what he's saying. He's saying, he's not saying, he's not saying there are dividers among you you should avoid. He doesn't know whether there are or not. He's saying you need to watch for people who are trying to share a different gospel, a different doctrine. They're trying to convince you of something that isn't true. And they are doing it in such a way that they get the power, they get the benefit, they get to be the ones who call the shots. And because they get to call the shots, they can now control the community. Those people are self-serving. We need to confront them and ask them to leave. It's the only group of people that we don't encourage. We have to confront but they are dividers, and that's, that's tough. Now, at the same time, he is also just implicitly saying, don't be that guy. 
He's not just saying, look out for that guy. He's saying, don't be that guy. Don't be the one that creates division among the church. If you come in the presence of a new person, and every time you come to the presence of a new person, you have something to complain about, you can accidentally cause division. Come instead with encouragement first. And if you come with encouragement first, then you earn the right to point out things that aren't going well. Now, having said that, if you think in Corinthians, Paul, there was some, they were actually allowing a man to stay inside the community who was sleeping with his father's wife. And he said, you need to get, if he won't fix that, you need to get him out of the community because he will create division. But in the very next book, 2 Corinthians, he says, hey, he's been outside long enough. You need to bring him back in before he gets lost out there. So avoiding the divider doesn't mean that we cut them off and we leave them out forever. What it means is that we don't allow them to be divisive, but we always let them know that if they want to change, if they want to be transformed, right. they're welcome to come back. Right, right. So, so here's the thing. This is what you can take away with you. This is our B for the day. It is be a team player. And we didn't, I know there's two E's in B. We did not spell that incorrectly. We're leading you into Carrie's illustration. Okay, so I thought this was perfect um, because the person who wrote this was talking about his dad, right? And it's Father's Day. But I also, this is, this is so perfect. So he writes, my dad has bees. Today I went to his house and he showed me all the honey he had gotten from the hives. He took the lid off a five gallon bucket full of honey and on top of the honey there were three bees that were struggling. They were all covered in sticky honey and drowning and I asked him if we could help them and he said he was sure that they would not survive. Casualties of honey collection, I suppose. I asked him again if we could at least get them out and kill them quickly. After all, that was one, he's the one who taught me to put a suffering animal or bug out of its misery. He finally con uh, conceded and he scooped the bees out of the bucket and he put them in an empty Chobani yogurt container and put the plastic container inside, outside. Because he had disrupted the hive with the earlier honey collection, there were bees flying all around outside, all over. We put the three little bees in the container on a bench and left them to their fate. And my dad called me out a little while later to show me what was happening. These three little bees were surrounded by all their sisters, because all of the bees in the farm were female. And they were cleaning the sticky, nearly dead bees, helping them get all the honey off of their bodies. We came back a short time later and there was only one little bee left in the container. She was still being tended by her sisters. When it was time for me to leave, we checked one last time and all three of the bees had been cleaned off enough to fly away and the container was empty. And there's the picture of the three bees up there. Those three little bees lived because they were surrounded by family and friends who would not give up on them family and friends who refused to let them down in their own stickiness and resolved to help them until the last little bee could be set free. Okay, so bees may not be people, right? Moved and motivated by love or affection or concern for one another, but they clearly have imprinted in their DNA an understanding of community. What's good for the bee is good for the hive. As such, this beautiful picture of care and rescue 
may be more instinctively wanting to waste not the honey, right? The honey clinging to the dying bees as much as it was about saving the bees themselves. However, the added benefit from this action would be that the three endangered worker bees would be saved to continue their important labors for the hive as a whole. What's good for the bee is good for the hive and vice versa. This is a remarkable picture of the care and concern each one of us ought to have for our brothers and sisters in Christ. As believers and members of both the local body and the body of Christ universal, all the churches, the big C, we exist in a mutually valuable and symbolic relationship with each other and the churches at large. When one hurts, we all hurt. What's good for the believer is good for the body and vice versa. If nothing else, this beautiful picture from nature reminds us to be devoted to one another in brotherly love, as it says in Romans 12.10. But also in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which we talked about last week, this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer for it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. This is a beautiful picture of what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be a team. We're supposed to see each other and, and help each other and encourage each other. But also, when one of us is hurting, we're supposed to, we're all going to hurt. And so we're supposed to help one another. If everybody's coming to give, the ones who have to come to get because they don't have anything to give will get what they need. So think of the bees and think of that honey. In the same way, what we're trying to do is advance the kingdom. We're trying to advance the kingdom of God. We're trying to advance the honey, right? But the way that we do that is we take care of the bees. So take care of each other. That's what we're saying today. Leave no one out. Avoid being the divisive person and allow God to work through you to enlarge the kingdom. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Jar with Pastors Michael and Carrie Rogers. If you're a believer in Christ looking for an opportunity to learn how to be a disciple maker, come see us at 702 H Street Northeast in Ardmore, Oklahoma. Our regular gatherings start on Sundays at 4 p.m., so you can still make it to see us today. Hope to see you soon. I am fit.